This is not a toxic positivity episode. This is not a suck it up episode. This is work hard and play hard and feel hard. This is owning your life and business. This episode is what it takes to get results. Future you, she also gets killer results. Do not deny her this. If you aren't getting the results in your business that you want, this episode is for you. It's time to get to work. Here are nine hard big girl pants practices, we're going to call them, required to build a big business. Welcome to Sincerely Future You, a podcast that helps ambitious women like you make decisions today with the future you in mind. Welcome back to Sincerely Future You. If you're new here, you came at the right time. Or actually, maybe you should be scared because it's going to get a little hype in here. I'm your host, Jessica mckinley Wayno, and I'm here to help you grow in your business and your personal life. I'm your coach and your cheerleader, and sometimes I'm the only person giving you the straight facts and the tough love. This episode is one you're going to want to save and re-listen to for those days when you don't feel like getting out of bed and you need that little reminder because today I'm talking about nine big girl pants practices that masterful CEOs slay. But before we get to that, we are going to hype you up. We always start these episodes each time with a hype session to really make sure that your body and your emotional state is heightened, that the vibrations in your body are matching what you're about to receive in content. Because yes, we talk a lot about math. We talk about numbers. We talk about practices, but also All of this doesn't work if you're energetically not aligning with the mission of what you're out here to do. So we're going to hype you up. What if everything you accomplished this year, everything you've done in your life, let's even say until now was just you warming up. I'm picturing like the little devil smiling emoji right now. What if all the amazing things your customers have experienced as a result of your business was just you scratching the surface? What if your current level 10 dreams was future use level two? I don't ask this to take away from how amazing your current body of work is. Listen, we always celebrate the shit out of where you're at. I asked this high quality question to inspire you because in the grand scheme of your big, grand, lush life, you are just on chapter two, level two, 20%, two out of 10. And that's always going to be the case if we're pursuing a big life. I work with a lot of businesses scaling to their first six figures. And now in the splash pad, Some are just getting their first clients and this work is huge. I love you guys. If you're right there with me, game on. If you're getting started and you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure you go to Sincerely Future You and you check out the splash pad because that's for the people who are really just new to this work. But if you're a little bit further along, today I'm talking to that woman who already maybe has a life in a business. They'd rate at an eight or a nine or a 10. We all at least have one area of our life that we'd rate pretty high. So if it's not your business, apply this there. Because evolving, once you've reached your goals, it's more advanced. It requires more nuance, more thoughtfulness. It's about thinking and feeling at a higher level, not settling, continuing to pour your love and attention into what 
already is working. And that's hard because our brain is constantly looking for ways to go on autopilot. And that actually our level 10 can be some of our most detrimental to our growth experiences is when we hit level 10, we think, okay, great. Our brain goes time to coast, time to stop paying attention, time to not come up with new ideas or be cutting edge. And it starts to get bold. No, this we're talking about executing masterfully, even after you've already executed masterfully about building a life and a business that is bigger than you, about harnessing the power of neutral, letting go of the safety of what got you here and practicing being a beginner again to get to that next level. This work lights me on fire because the human capacity is infinite. And I'm all about partnering with women who don't just want to meet industry standards. I'm so sick of people telling me, oh, well, the industry standards, I don't care. My people want to revolutionize the standard. And if that's you, I see you, babe. And I promise you, I will never get bored of hard work and becoming a better version of me. Are you joining me? Let's go. This week, we have a extra fun shout out because this is a shout out not to a one-on-one -on -one client, not to a, a client that is in the Masterful CEO school, but actually to a client who is thriving in the splash pad. And that client is Andrea Sarju. And Andrea came to me. She has this incredible business, Panier Cadu. I think I've mentioned her one other time um, on the show, but she does luxury gift baskets. And she's doing the deep work of attaching the value of what she does to what her clients are looking for. Sometimes, and those of you who have a luxury service or product can probably relate Sometimes we're talking about our product or our services to someone who just isn't our ideal client. Maybe they don't value this as a luxury in their life. And then it's easy for us to take what they said or their experience and say, oh, well, people don't value it. Well, not everybody has to value your offer. And Andrea is doing the work to see what we care about and what you focus on as you're selling is what your ideal client values. So she has come into the splash pad and taken advantage of every resource that is in there, not just in consuming, but really um, taking the Facebook group as well as um, any monthly coaching that we have in that beginner space and saying, okay, this is what do you recommend here? This is what I have coming up. This is what I'm doing. She's doing what I recommend on your way of scaling to 50K or even 100K, which is just try all the things, right? Experiment thoughtfully, decide all the experiments you're gonna do, but try all of the ways to gain new clients, gain new experiences and have something to evaluate. We're so obsessed with doing it perfectly, but I'm really, really enjoying Andrea loosening up, loosening up the reins and doing what we talk about in this actual episode. I believe it is number seven, which sneak peek is to suck at things a little bit until you're great. And I'm watching her try things that are outside of her comfort zone and actually seeing that it's not that scary to 
you know, not know if you're going to be good at something until you get results. So shout out to you, Andrea, keep getting after it, keep experimenting and keep inspiring us with your massive action. Now let's dive in to our topic today, nine big girl practices or hard practices worth doing that you should, I recommend, start implementing, finding a way to implement immediately. A few months ago, I did an episode that was very popular called Nine Slow Business Practices That Speed Up Your Growth. It's episode 156 if you want to check it out. I share this episode to give some insight into the sustainable skills and practices that I teach my clients. We all know that hustling, it's not the answer. And as women, we've been socialized to be multitasking even when we're resting. That's not what I teach my clients. Okay. And that's not what this episode is about. One of my personal goals for 2023 was to balance my masculine and feminine energy. If you don't know anything about that, don't worry about it too much. Really, essentially, I just wanted to practice strength in not just doing, but also in being, getting to that 50-50. But you know your tendency as a business owner and as a person. For some of you, your natural state is taking action. Your working love language, if you will, is productivity. And for you guys, you needed that episode. But for some of you you need the opposite coaching. That's the beauty of this work. Becoming future you, the business owner who is more masterful, the human who is more deeply connected to her purpose and the world around her, it looks different. The approach, the path, the skills that you need to develop. This episode is for those of you who are pretty good at the being. Your strengths may be visualizing and self-coaching, feeling your feelings, taking the time to reflect. You probably maybe have a bullet journal. You probably have dabbled in coaching at some point, or maybe you're really good at planning ahead and you think more about the future and the past than you do on the present, even celebrating the little things. Rock on. These are essentials for a big life and a big business that you actually love. But darling, it's time to put your big girl pants on because I'm getting a little weary of those business coaches out there who are only teaching those skills as the path to success. This is not a toxic positivity episode. This is not a suck it up episode. This is work hard and play hard and feel hard. This is owning your life and business. This episode is what it takes to get results. Yes, results aren't everything. We know a successful business also has great culture and values and employee satisfaction. I have other episodes about creating those things. Okay. Just because you like pizza doesn't mean we disregard that there are other amazing things to eat, right? It's like we can have two things that are contrary to each other that are equally important and future you, she also gets killer results. Do not deny her this. If you aren't getting the results in your business that you want, this episode is for you. It's time to get to work. Here are nine hard big girl pants practices. We're going to call them required to build a big business. Numero uno, set deadlines. For those of you who have been listening to the show for a while, you know that I'm a big proponent of deadlines. It's what separates a to-do list from a schedule. It's what separates goals from results. 
once you own a business, it's easy to start feeling like there's that endless to-do list. And if there are no external deadlines imposed by a client or an event that you're doing, it's tempting, and I get this, for everything you're working on to be completed by TBD. Big girl pants, remember, whether you're just getting started or over a decade into your business, a crucial difference between a growing business and a stagnant one is those self-imposed deadlines. Decide when you're going to complete your pre-written emails for your launch. Decide when you're going to have the location for your shoot determined. Decide when you're going to have your final processes and manuals documented for your team or for that team that you want to eventually hire. If you don't, your brain is bound to fill that time up and you'll never feel like you have enough of it. This is one of the major sources of strife for my clients who come to me being like, oh, I have no time. I have no time. It's because you're always working and doing without clear deadlines. Okay. So number one is set deadlines. Number two, do the thing you said you do, even if you don't feel like doing it. Remember this episode again, disclaimer is for those of you who already have a propensity for relaxing and resting and giving yourself the benefit of the doubt. That's important. There are occasions or even seasons of life when we need to pivot and not do the thing that's on our schedule. But most of the time, I recommend doing things when you said you do it, even if you don't feel like it. A great place to build this habit is with your body. So throwback Thursday here in 2014, I started a blog with the intention of running happiness experiments that I would ultimately um, go on to create a, a book that would reflect what were the trends that would help people achieve their greatest happiness when they were in their 20s. For this, I never ended up writing the book. Of course, I ended up falling in love with the engagement with the people who were doing the experiments and ended up falling into coaching. But each month I chose a theme to see if there were trends across different areas of our life. And the first theme that I chose was body month. I ran experiments to do with health, posture, body image, movement, mindfulness, and nutrition. And the ones that yielded the best results were the experiments that involved challenge. The ones where people had to do things daily, even if they were a little bit under the weather or they had a competing priority in their personal life or they just didn't feel like it. It was both immediately rewarding, that feeling of pride that came right after doing the workout when they didn't feel like it and the tangible and energetic long-term results that came from that tiny consistent action that they did over the course of building this habit. If you know that this is your weakness, the number two, doing something when you said you do it, and you know that you're, you're more likely to let yourself off the hook and to make an excuse or justification, or even if it doesn't feel like that, or you're not describing it like that, the facts are, you are more often not doing the things that you said that you would. Here's how I recommend you changing this. Okay. If you know it's your weakness, I would check out the book Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. She is a habits expert and she was also the author of The Happiness Project and is a big inspiration of a lot of the work that I do. She 
is, you know, branded as a happiness person, but I think she's more of a math person behind the scenes as well. And so am I. I really, really enjoy the way she approaches things. But what she recommends when you're building habits that you know your weakness are a couple of different strategies. So I'm going to list, she has 21 strategies, I believe, but here are a couple that I think apply for this one. Reward. So this one is the pretty obvious one, right? Reward yourself when you do it. Let's say you are um, trying to make a habit of writing an email once a week, an email newsletter. Decide on the time, decide on the day that you are going to do it, and then decide on the reward that you're going to give yourself when you complete it only when you complete it by the deadline that you set. That's a huge caveat. You don't just get to like push it, push it, push it, and then complete it and then be like, oh, I eventually did it. So I'm going to reward myself. No, this is about, remember, these are the big girls pants tasks and practices. These are about doing the things that really are so uncomfortable and against your natural tendency. Okay. So number one strategy is reward yourself. Number two is loophole spotting, she calls it. So she says to look for the specific ways that you make excuses and justify not doing what you said you do. So look for your go-to excuses. What are they? Is it that like, oh, you just need a little bit more sleep? Is that a story that you've been telling yourself? and you you're still trying to plan to do things early in the morning and then you're tired something's got to give that's an excuse that's a justification either go to bed earlier or plan to get your stuff done later in the day but either way you're set yourself up for success find those loopholes so that you don't get there and then end up breaking down that trust with yourself Number three is accountability. Get in the splash pad or the masterful CEO school or some other community of people working towards the same habits that you want. Really, we are a people, a, a tribe people historically. We thrive when we are a part of an environment and a group of people that are all after the same thing. And we are way more likely. I mean, we talk about psych in psychology, we talk about peer pressure, group think, all of the actions that we take even against our natural desire. And in this case, right, like our natural excuses, we'll end up doing the thing because we have outside accountability. So that's a really good one for this one. And then finally, another strategy is called safeguards. So this is predicting where you might go wrong, looking forward and saying, okay, these are some obstacles I imagine might come up. My kids might interrupt me, you know, I might accidentally snooze my alarm, whatever it is, I might uh, get distracted on social media and plan what you'll do to either avoid these obstacles or what you'll do if these obstacles arise. So if then, right? One of my favorite ones to do is say like, okay, if I know my tendency is to get really distracted by notifications, put your phone on silent, put your phone out of the room during this time when you have to do things. Set a timer. If you know that you plan to, that you tend to lose track of time and you're like, oh, I was planning on only taking an hour, but I lost track of time. It took me an hour and 45 minutes. Set a timer for 45 minutes so you know that you have 15 minutes left. Okay. That is an example of a safeguard. Number three, big girl pants practice. I actually love saying this. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep using this term and saying it to everyone. Okay. Sell your freaking heart out. That is number three. You have a business or do you? Do you just have the appearance of a business? 
There are endless ways to busy yourself as an entrepreneur. Idea creation, content creation, taking courses, prettifying your brand and website, etc. But if you're not selling, you do not have a business. This round of the Masterful CEO School, I'm going to be teaching more in depth in selling strategy because it's only hard when you don't believe that the person you're offering your products or service to wants it. Or if you believe selling is evil, which last week when I ran a webinar on Masterful CEOing, I kind of polled the people who were on the webinar. It was a lot of new people that I didn't know, new faces. I was like, all right, where's your relationship at with selling? Do we love it? Do we hate it? Like where? And it was like, it just was raining like, hey, hey, I hate it. And I was like, oh, guys, uh oh, I've done several episodes on selling. So I'll make sure to put those in the show notes so that you can go link to those episodes or you can just search selling fuel is one and um, safe to buy all the things is another episode on selling. But the facts are, if you think selling is the worst, you're fighting an uphill battle. Make it your mission to heal your relationship with selling. Sell without sleaze. Sell consensually. Sell from value and belief. This is what we teach in the Masterful CEO School. But do not avoid this business activity. Instead, sell your little heart out. Make sure that selling in some capacity is on your calendar every single day. Ooh, that's going to be triggering for some of y'all. Okay, number four, evaluate what's not working without criticizing yourself. Evaluating what's not working can feel hard, but this practice gets easier and easier as you do it. My clients always say this, right? In the beginning, they're like, oh my gosh, these evaluations, it took me forever. I felt terrible while I was doing it. And then as they go, they're like, oh yeah, I evaluated that already. Oh, I evaluated this. This is what it is. They start to get neutral about it. Why? Because eventually you come to see that there's always only three things happening in your business. Things that are working things that aren't working and you're planning to do differently or things that aren't working and you're tabling to address in a future quarter because you can only focus on... I've told you, you can only focus on one thing to fix at a time. It's just the neutral facts of business, okay? We can skip over the part where you beat yourself up for doing it this way, saying, uh, why isn't this working? But then avoiding getting to the bottom of it or actually changing anything. Don't skip out on getting close and personal with what's not working. Find out why, okay? Because it's not enough to realize that it's not working. You have to start experimenting and guessing why something is not working. If you're not sure, take a guess and experiment with a new approach until it works, period. That is the path to getting something to work. Do it differently until it works, okay? Number five, look at your numbers and make this a habit. I literally just saw a a Facebook post of a girl saying that QuickBooks was like the part, the sneaky part of small business ownership that nobody talks about. And she had like that crying face and a screenshot of it and that it was her least favorite part of her business, right? 
it doesn't have to be your favorite part. That's kind of like what I wanted to say to her was like, okay, yeah, I know. But like, good for you because you're doing it. Doing it will keep your finger on the pulse of your business and show you how you're tracking towards your goals. If you're just doing QuickBooks though, without attaching it to your future, to where you're going, to your future self, to your goals it's going to feel a lot more miserable. So this is the one thing I would add to number five that's going to make looking at your numbers feel fun. Because honestly, I love looking at my numbers. I have upped my bookkeeper from sending me my numbers every month to every two weeks to every week because... I need to know. And eventually we're going to go to getting the numbers every day because it's fun. And we bring the accounting into the future. It just helps inform what decisions I need to make, what's working, what's not working. It helps inform everything. It's a part of the heartbeat of and the process and like the way that everything functions in the business. It's a key, key part. Of course, it's going to feel lame to just look at your numbers that you can't control because that month has already passed, right? The only numbers you're looking at is what you did last month or last quarter or last year. That's just feels like a waste of your current and future time, right? It's kind of lame. This is why I teach my clients to track based on the gap to their goal. Your actual numbers are only a part of the story, right? We call it actuals, which is the numbers of what you've received in cash or in money collected or in clients up until this point, but your actuals, it's called actuals versus the goal. So then that third number becomes, what is the gap to your goal? And once you start looking at these numbers, it's like you see your numbers as a little pinpoint on the map on your journey towards where you're going. It's cool. It becomes cool. It's like, imagine you were cross country road tripping from New York to California and California is your destination. And you're like, made it to Pennsylvania. <laughs> you're not that far, but like, it's like, Oh, okay. Well I'm further than New York. Cool. Now I only have this many miles. And what am I going to do to get through to Kentucky. I don't know. I'm like all over the map right now, but you know what I'm saying, right? We need to be able to look at the journey, not always from stop one to stop a hundred. We look from where we're at and not just look at the past and be like, wow, we made it from New York to Pennsylvania. It's only helpful if you're understanding where how long it's going to take to get from Pennsylvania to California, right? Okay. Do not sleep on this hard practice, whatever way that you track, I personally love to track using you need a budget. YNAB, you guys know I'm a YNAB lover over here. This will allow you to reverse engineer those goals. Number six, set impossible goals for the love of God. Be willing to be disappointed. I am often asked by new clients, my clients that have been with me for a while know better than this. What's a, I don't really know what a realistic goal would be. Setting realistic goals is not the point of your time here on this earth. I know I'm being a little bit dramatic right now, but of course your goals should be impossible. They should feel impossible for the person that you are today with the current knowledge and skills and experience that you've had up until now. 
pursuing your goals should teach you something. It should stretch you. Your self-evolution of pursuing this goal is the point. So be willing to fail hard on your face. Be willing to feel disappointment in your body. You can handle the feelings. And if you don't think you can, bring it to coaching because we're not going to let you just set little 1% increases and saying, well, that feels realistic because you're looking at your past. No, here on Sincerely Future You, we build your future from your future. We look at the amazing place that sets your soul on fire that you want to be, that you want to grow. And you say, okay, what's missing? This feels so impossible. This feels crazy, stupid. I feel like I am so inadequate. Okay, now what? Now we're getting somewhere. Now you're realizing where am I in feeling inadequate? Not feeling inadequate, but like where are the gaps in my mastery? Where are the gaps in my skills, the gaps in my numbers, the gaps in my processes? Let's get to work, people. These are big girl pants practices. All right, number seven, suck at things. That sounds fun, right? Ideally in public, <laughs> even more fun. Speaking of disappointment, okay, let's talk about the seventh hard practice for building the business of your dreams. Sucking at things. When you started your business, I'm certain you didn't dream of sucking at things, but alas, it's part of the unskippable path to your dream business. You have to be willing to be bad because you're not just going to come into an industry and be amazing at every single skill and process as a business owner that it takes to deliver to your clients on a major level. If you want a big business, and I don't even just being big in terms of revenue or in terms of numbers, I mean big in terms of impact. If you want a revolutionary business, whether it's in product or service, you're going to have to figure some things out that nobody else has figured out before. Okay. Don't be entitled to only having great content, great reviews, great years where clients flow freely to you and praise you for your every word. No one is entitled to this. Certainly not in the first few years of business, but if you're one of those unicorny outliers who had a shooting star first year, get ready. The suck touches us all. Okay. An incredible body of work requires so many iterations and failed experiments. It'll make you question why you do this, honestly. But then, you know, you love this freaking thing. And when you get to deliver your value to your ideal client, oh, I could tear up just thinking about it. The experience, it's magic for both parties. So instead of avoiding sucking, embrace it, tattoo it. Commit to the suck for as long as it takes to produce greatness. Number eight, give up playing helpless, blaming, and complaining. This is hard because it usually is going to require that you change something pretty massively. As long as we're blaming our circumstances, our kids, our mentors, the economy, our nature, our natural ways that we are, our parents, our current financial situation, our team, or as long as we're saying, I don't really know, I don't know. And then stopping there, we're going to block ourselves from that next level. All right. So I'm going to give you a couple of phrases to eliminate. Number one, I can't. That one's pretty obvious, right? 
can't is actually banned in our house. Calvin knows he's not allowed to say it, not in like normal everyday phrases, but as an answer, right? He's just not allowed to say I can't. Or when he's talking about, he just recently learned how to ride a bike without training wheels. And part of the rules in learning when we first took them off was you're just not allowed to say, I can't, you could say, this is hard. You could say this sucks, whatever it is. You can't say I can't because it's just not true. And you're deciding the result that you don't want. Okay. So no more. I can't. The other thing is when someone gives you feedback or when you are told something or reminded about something that you're not doing, even if it's common sense, but it's not common practice, don't say, I know. Ooh, I had a whole episode on this early days called I know is a red flag. I had a client, a one-on-one client a while back that I had to ban her from saying this because she said it all the time. It was like her, her go-to. It was her self-preservation. It was like, she'd be like, I know, I know, I didn't, I know. And I'd be like, you don't know. Stop saying, you know, like maybe, you know, intellectually, but you're not knowing in the moment that this is the thing that's blocking you from getting the results. So just be really on to yourself. If you're one of those people that says all the time, like, I know, I know. And I'm guilty of this too. It's definitely, definitely one of my words that I have to, or phrases that I have to correct myself. And I still say on occasion, but I'm aware of it now. So, so we can replace, I know with, I'm going to work on this or just with silence, right? There's nothing to say. It's kind of like, okay. Hmm. Oh, all right. <laughs> Nothing really to be said. Okay. You're not doing something time to do it. And then, uh, obviously you guys know, I'm not going to repeat this until I'm blue in the face, but I don't know is not an option. Okay. Whenever you're complaining or you're pretending to be confused and you're saying, I don't know, just guess. And usually also check in if your tendency is to say, I don't know, we, you can, if you really need to look to the past to be like, what are other ways that I've approached this in the past? Or if it's something totally out of your comfort zone, what is what I imagine my future self would do? What is what I imagine your mentor or someone else who has the result that you would want would do? And then just do that, right? It's all about experimenting. But When we say those things and when we're blaming and complaining and playing helpless and playing the victim, we are not able to do the hard things and get uncomfy. And finally, number nine, be cutthroat with who's in your inner circle. Cutthroat is like a cutthroat expression, right? Cutthroat, like, oh my gosh. I was just watching Jumanji with my son last night, like the newer version is Jumanji. And he's like, my son is very into like fighting and he's like a typical boy. I don't even know, but he's always like, oh yeah, like cut his throat. And I'm like, oh my God. So, And then here I am being like, all right, be cutthroat with your inner circle. But you know what I mean, right? Be really, really, really safeguard what's most important to you, which is the time in your day and in your life where you don't have to watch out for your brain absorbing what's around you. Like 
when I was in a relationship that really wasn't suiting me or when I was spending more time with people who were just kind of like wanted a business, but really were doing nothing. Like they were like looking to me to like, well, what do you think? What are you doing? I don't know. But then they were, I would have to constantly hear those people complaining or saying what's not possible and have to be like, okay, it's not true. It's not true. I'd, I'd have to work hard with my brain. And the truth about the expression, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with is because our brain is so hell bent on going on autopilot. And the nice part about being around five people who are crushing it and have results that you already want is that you can, your brain can go on autopilot and you're still going to absorb things that are going to grow you. The people that are further ahead of you are going to say, oh yeah, that goal's too small. Yeah, that's easy. That's totally possible. That's doable. That's because they have that natural belief and you want to be able to breathe that in as the air that you breathe. So check in. Do you spend time with people who have the results you're looking for, the relationship and t- with time and money that you crave? Where do you fit in to your closest five? If you're the most successful person you spend time with, it's time to make a change. But this is probably the easiest one to say, I know. I know, right? And then do nothing about. So I want you to take action today. You're going to pick a new community that has what you want more of and get in there today with action, okay? Today is the last day as you're listening to this of enrollment into the Masterful CEO School September class. You can go to sincerelyfutureyou.com right now and level up in one click your business. A click that is a love note to future you that puts you in a room with other women who are running at a pace you want to be running at. Okay. If you want to improve your pace as a runner, like an actual runner, start running with people who are faster than you. Just makes sense. If you seek a healthier marriage, spend time with people, friends, other couples who speak lovingly about their partners and who show up in a way that you and your partner would like to show up. Choose your inner circle and be cutthroat or a better, like kinder word for that. Do it now. Okay. You can pause the episode, either go DM me or another accountability partner because it's game on. You guys are going to get a quick sneak peek from the actual members of the March class of the Masterful CEO School. They all had a moment to speak with our videographer and the whole team to kind of document their experience. And I can tell you left and right that this program is life-changing and that this work is essential if you want more time and more money and really just a greater emotional connection to your work without the chance of burning out or quitting. But it's way more powerful if you hear it from the members themselves. I know for me, if I'm going to invest in anyone in any room, I kind of want to know someone who's been there. So I know, am I just being marketed to, or is this really something that gets people the results they're looking for? So without further ado, hear from some of the members of the March class. 
I am Sarah Ann Morales, CEO of Interior Elements. My name is Jenna. My business is Mindful Journey New York. Hi, uh, my name is Erica Madama. I own Sunny Spaces Organizing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Serenity and I'm the founder of Sugared Beauty Bar in Roslyn, New York. You know, I started working with Jess actually right as I was really launching my business. So it was like, start the business, quit the job, started working with Jess. Whatever it is, I think that all those goals can be reached through coaching. I think your only qualification is that you have to have a business and you're open to learning how to be better at it. In the past three, four months with working with Jess, I've done more in my both my businesses than I have in the past two years. So many things have been impactful for me. There have been so many milestones that I have accomplished with Jess. I think what coaching has done is helped me realize some of, kind of overcome some of the things that I struggled with along the way in a much faster capacity to get me to build and have the growth so much quicker. I feel like it's really good to learn about thought work and learn about scheduling and learn about all of the things that Jess teaches, whether you're just starting out or 10 years in like I am. I don't think it's uh, specifically for a certain type of business or type of person or money or sales or any of that. I've never had business experience before. I never ran a business. I didn't hang out with people who ran businesses. My family was old school, work, work, work. And um, I knew that there was something more for me. Um, I had the vision and I just didn't know how to tackle it. The aha moment for me was remembering that you can change your story every single day. So whatever story I was telling myself yesterday did not have to be present today. I think business coaching could be for anyone. This is personally the first time I have joined into a mentorship program. So I think it's a great place to start and I think anybody can definitely use a mentorship and coaching, especially with a group like these ladies. I think it's the coaching as well as that like bond um, connection that we all kind of struggle with that have come together to gain strength. Business owners who are starting their business, business owners who feel scattered, who have that thought there's not enough time in the day or there's not enough time, um, who feel overwhelmed. Like, those are all the things that were solved for, for me working with her. By doing and showing up for all the sessions, I feel like, okay, now I'm moving forward. I can actually do things. Whereas before coaching, I felt like I would tell myself that I would do things and without having anyone hold me accountable, I never actually followed through with the actions. I joke around and I call it like a form of therapy. <laughs> and I've been working with Jess in coaching for almost two years. I've gone from being kind of an employee of my own business to becoming this masterful CEO where I truly feel in control. Like I, I, I do have a team and people are delegated underneath me. My business runs without me, which was always my dream. Wish I had joined a lot earlier. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like your struggles are unique and they're just not you know everybody i've met in this group gets it and has been through very similar things if not almost the same struggles and it's been really amazing to have support from people that you don't even technically know that well but then you become like a team like a nice community that gets each other this is a call for you to stretch your capacity do things you've never done before. Blow your own mind in the process. If you've always done things solo, try doing it with community. If you've always networked in the same places, open up your sphere, meet new people, dedicate an entire quarter of your business to mastering a new skill. Decide what you're after. 
be really, really specific in the results that you're after, not just better and more, but very, very specific. And then buy when, and then stretch what you believe you're capable of, either in how quickly or how well or how big or with the most time off. Set a capacity goal that scares or excites the hell out of you. Or honestly, don't even bother setting goals. This is our one shot. Future you is beckoning. She knows you are the one that has to do and endure the hard part. You're the one that has to do the work, feel the negative emotions in your body. Also, she can be her. Are you willing to do the hard work? Sincerely, future you. Bye.